Ephesians chapter 6 this morning as we continue our series on the essentials of our faith. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning at verse 10. And today we're going to be looking at the essentials of spiritual warfare. The essentials of spiritual warfare. Let me begin by saying this. Throughout history, many human beings have failed to take the threat of something seriously. And because we fail to take the threat of something seriously, we can end up suffering greatly for it. Well, the Bible is telling us that if we are a Christian, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm hoping that every person here today is truly a follower of Jesus Christ, then this is not a threat. This is reality. You and I will be involved in spiritual warfare. You and I will be attacked by our spiritual enemy. There's no question about that. That is the reality of God's Word in Scripture. The only question is, will we take that seriously? Will we acknowledge it? Will we recognize it? Will we do what we should be doing in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ to be prepared for it and to stay prepared for it? Because if we don't, we will suffer greatly for it. And so will all those around us as well. So this is one of the essentials of being a Christian and something that we need to look at this morning. Now, as we go through this passage, though, here's what I want us to keep our minds focused on. Even though this passage today has to do a lot with informing us about who our enemy is and what he's up to and all of those things, God never wants us to focus on the enemy. He wants us to be aware of an enemy, of an adversary, of an one who opposes us. He wants to be, us to be aware of, of some of his tactics and how he operates. But he never wants us to focus on him. On them, speaking of fallen angels. He wants us to always focus on him, you see. Because it doesn't matter in our life, for instance... What our giant is that we're facing, and, and every one of us probably in some way or another is in a, a place in our life where we're facing some kind of giant in front of us. But the reason why David, that little shepherd boy, could go out and face that giant, and that giant seemed very manageable to David, was because he wasn't focusing on the giant Goliath, he was continuing to focus on his great God. And so in the midst of focusing on the giant, the giant became actually pretty small and manageable because his focus wasn't on the giant, it was on God. And that's where God wants us to keep our focus today in the midst of even this passage. That's why John says in 1 John 4, 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. And in the context of 1 John 4, he's talking about fallen angels. He says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world and operating in the world. And so that's where our focus needs to be, on our great God 
and the one who is living within us. With that said, notice in Ephesians 6.10, Paul begins by saying, finally. And in this context, it would be like Paul saying, it's high time, brothers and sisters. It's time for us to get serious and talk about some things and especially about our spiritual warfare. And so he says, finally, it's high time that we as believers in Jesus Christ be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Be strengthened. Increase in strength. Grow stronger. Be filled with power. Be empowered. And notice, in the Lord. Only by means of the Lord, the ruler of the universe. In other words, Paul's saying, look, Christians, you can try to be empowered or filled with power. You can even try to be powerful enough yourself. But when, in the subject that we're talking about, Facing formidable fallen angels and demonic spirits that are going to attack us. We have no power that can prevail against them or overcome them except the power that is only found in the Lord. If we're not operating every day in the means of the power that is only found in the Lord, then we will fall to these other powers. We will fail to these other powers because they are greater than the power that we possess on our own. Only in the Lord can we be strong enough. And that's why he starts out by saying, be strengthened in the Lord. Are you and I in a place and season in life where we're growing stronger in the Lord every day? Where we're being filled with His power and increasing in spiritual strength. It is a must. If we do not take the threat of spiritual warfare and being attacked by our enemies seriously, then we won't really focus on being strengthened And putting ourselves in a spiritual environment where we can grow stronger. Somehow we'll feel like we can, we can handle this on our own and we won't take the threat seriously. We live in a world today where people need to take certain threats seriously or else they neglect those threats to their own peril. And God is saying the same thing to us today as his children. He's telling us, he's commanding us, be strengthened in the only power that can prevail, that can overcome, that can sustain us throughout each day of our earthly life. And that is the power that only comes from our continued fellowship and growth in the Lord. And in the might of his Power And this word for power here at the end of verse 10 speaks about a power that can prevail, a power that can overcome, a power that can have victory rather than defeat. Maybe you've come here today, maybe as you listen to this message later on, maybe you're in the midst of a place in life where you've been knocked down. Maybe even where you have fallen yourself. And what God wants to encourage us with, first of all, is let's get back up and let's start walking in 
His power. Because when we walk in His power every day, rather than our own strength or the strength of something else, we will begin to prevail. We will begin to overcome. We will begin to conquer in His power and in His name. We will start seeing victory rather than defeat after defeat after defeat. But it's only in the means of the power of the Lord. So what God is saying here beginning in verse 10 in this passage is this. I'll supply my power. I won't make you walk in my power or live by my power. I won't force my power on you, but it's available to you. Because we've got to have some skin in the game, see? In this life, the way God has set it up is, I'll give you everything you need to live a godly life and be successful even in this world. But I'm not going to force all this stuff on you. I'm not going to make you do anything. You've got to get to a place where you want it and where you appropriate it and where you invest in it and have some kind of investment in it. But it's there. It's there for the taking every day. His power to live every day is there for every true follower of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 11, God not only gives us his power to live every day, he gives us the provision of this spiritual armor, these super, this supernatural sort of set of resources that we can clothe ourselves in every day. Now again, just like with his power, he won't make us put it on. He, he won't force it on us, but it's always there. And you and I then have to appropriate it and make sure that we are intentionally prepared to meet our enemy and to go out there in the world and to live and move and all of that. And that we're doing it in the power and provision of God. Which is why he says in verse 11, clothe yourselves. No one else can clothe us. <laughs> no one else can put this armor on. We have to do it ourselves. You see, God supplies it, but we have to do it ourselves. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Notice he says that you may be able. If we don't stand in the power of God and we don't take his provision with us, then you and I on our own do not have the capability or the capacity to stand, to hold our ground spiritually. We will get knocked down and knocked back every time. Because even though, again, God doesn't want us to focus and be enamored and in awe with the devil, we do have to be aware that this devil, this fallen angel, is much greater and his minions are much greater than we are on our own. The only way we can stand and hold our ground spiritually and not give up ground to the devil and, and, and not be knocked down or knocked back is to stand in the power and the provision that God supplies. Then we have more than enough to stand. Then we have more than enough to overcome, but not on our own. Are we holding our ground spiritually? And then he uses the word schemes because he wants to give us some insight into this spiritual enemy that will oppose us and attack us. 
He doesn't fight fair. The word scheme means deceit, craftiness, trickery. In other words, the devil, who's been doing this since the Garden of Eden, by the way, to human beings, won't attack us in a sense in a frontal way and won't do it in an obvious way. He will always seek to deceive, to bait and switch, to trick, to to scheme in some way to get us to, in a sense, like the fish, bite that hook and get that hook in us and then start luring us and pulling us further and further away from God. And just like fish, if we're not prepared every day, if we're not careful as human beings out there in this world where the devil operates, we can start latching on to those lures that he's got out there and all of a sudden he's got us. And that's why we have to be such a discerning people, such a perceptive people, a growing in knowledge and understanding wise group of people. Because if we're not, we'll fall for the devil's schemes every time. Because on our own, in our own intellect and wisdom, we'll fall for what he's got. It's only when we're walking in the power and provision and mindset of God can we begin to see through his schemes and see what's really behind what he's offering us and see, oh, wait a minute, that's, that's not going to be good. I need to reject that. For notice, Paul goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not battling human entities. These are invisible forces. Very formidable forces, but they're invisible. And yet they're very powerful, at least compared to to us. By the way, I want to direct your attention to the word struggles. It's a very important key word in this whole passage. It means not only to fight. So in other words, the Bible is saying, look, we've got a fight on our hands. Whether we acknowledge it, recognize it, appreciate what's going on, we are in a fight. In fact, this word was used in Paul's day for wrestling matches. One-on-one. And so another thing that Paul wants to, to sort of get us in the mindset of here is, is not just the life of a soldier in battle that puts on armor in the battle, but even reducing our spiritual warfare and, and all of this to even one-on-one wrestling matches. And and implied in that word in the Greek language is a very hand-to-hand combat in close quarters. So it also reminds us of how personal this is. In other words, God's word is reminding us that Satan and his hordes of demonic spirits don't attack us in mass most of the time. That their attack and our struggle is very personal in nature. Because they are very intelligent, they will sit back and they will observe. They don't attack all the time. They're not always on the attack. 
Because that really wouldn't be wise either. They will sit back and they will watch us and observe us for a time. They will see what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. They will see the areas of our life, each of us, where we struggle and where we're most vulnerable. And that's where they'll attack. Because like any intelligent commander, militarily, they're going to find out where we are weak and where we are vulnerable and what part of our life is not shored up and where we're not prepared. And that's where they'll keep hammering. They're not going to come at us where we're strongest. And when they do attack, they don't hold anything back. That's why it's so foolish for us as Christians to live such a nonchalant, laid-back Christian life. You know, just sort of gliding for home in eternity. And Because what Paul is reminding the Ephesians of and us of today is you and I will get eaten alive by our enemy while here on earth if we don't take this seriously. If, if we don't start taking our Christian life and, and, and living in the power and provision of God every day seriously, then our enemy is so strong he will chew us up and spit us out, as they say. Because we're not just going up against flesh and blood here. We're going up against fallen angels. And on our own, we are no match for them. Notice he says that we are not only going against a struggle of no flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. In other words, Paul's saying... We're being attacked and we're struggling with formidable fallen angels and demonic spirits. And whether we as Christians want to sort of poo-poo that idea and pretend like they don't exist, again, we ignore them to our own peril. Again, we don't have to live in fear of them. And not everything that happens bad in our life or happens to us is we can blame on them. In fact, most of the time, it's our own doing. But what the Bible is teaching us of is we always need to be prepared every day because we don't know when they're going to attack. And like any good military leader, they don't let us know. It's not like, you know, this demon calls me up and goes, Hey, Jeff, just want to let you know this next week, you better get really spiritually strong because next week we're coming. They don't do that. Like any good military leader, they're going to surprise attack. In fact, many times they come at us when we least expect it or when we're least prepared. Which is why then we always, like a soldier, need to be prepared. We can never take a vacation, folks. Too many Christians are taking a spiritual vacation. Now, I'm not against us taking time off from our routines of life. But the Bible never encourages us to take any spiritual vacation off. Because mark it down. You and I take spiritual time off? Oh my. We've just told the enemy, I'm taking a couple weeks spiritually off, God. I'm not going to read your word for a couple weeks or pray or, you know, get to church for a little while. So 
come on, attack me, because here's where I'm going to be weak. I mean, we just give them an invitation. We cannot let our guard down ever when it comes to this in our lives. That's why in verse 13, he says, For this reason, take up the full armor of God. Carry the full armor of God with you at all times. That's what the words take up means, by the way. Many years ago, there was a credit card commercial that said, don't leave home without it. Can I tell you, you can leave home without that credit card. You'll be okay. But you and I can't leave home or go anywhere without the full armor of God. Take it with you. Carry it with you at all times so that you and I may be able to stand against or stand on and in that evil day, that day where we are being attacked. And notice the phrase, stand your ground. Again, it means to hold our position. And even more importantly, I want to point this out today. That phrase was a phrase used in military uh, terminology for soldiers to hold their line, but also to stay at their post. So don't miss what Paul's saying here as well. He's saying you and I as soldiers of Jesus Christ and believers in Jesus Christ, we not only have to be prepared and be willing and able to stand our ground for us, but we have to recognize our fight isn't just for us. Our fight is for others. Because if we don't hold our ground spiritually... If we get knocked down or knocked back, if we allow the enemy to have inroads into our life and we give up ground spiritually, we're not the only ones that's affected. Everyone else in our life is affected because we allow the enemy a hold of our life. So let me get real specific. That's telling us If you're married, that as a spouse, you and I better hold our ground individually as a spouse because if not, my marriage is going to be negatively affected in my relationship with my spouse if I don't put this armor on and stand in the power of God because I'm allowing the enemy an inroad into my life. And it's not just going to affect me. It's going to affect my spouse. It's going to affect my children. It's going to, as a as a child, affect my parents. It's going to affect my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because again, what affects us doesn't just affect us. We do not live in a vacuum. Therefore, when he's saying, you've got to stand your ground, it's not just that we're fighting for us, we're fighting for everyone around us. If we go down, then others do too. That's the way it is. We all know that to be true. We just don't think about it very often. I think about it in this way. I know that I'm attacked on a regular basis because of the position that I hold as the pastor of this church and what I'm trying to do with the word of God in this world. And I know very clearly that if I fell, how that would negatively affect so many people. See, I can't fall 
Not, not just because of me, but because how it would affect others. And the same thing is true with you. That's why he's saying, if you don't do it for yourself, care enough about others around you to get strong and to be strong and to stay strong so that you can hold your ground. Because if we don't hold our ground, we're not the only ones that will be negatively affected by it. Everyone around us will. That's why he goes on then to say this very important thing. In verse 13, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day and having done everything to stand. There's three words I want you to take from this message this morning. And it's found here in verse 13. Having done everything. I want, I want those three words to get glued somewhere. Because they may be the most important words in this whole passage to us. Because one of the things I have to ask myself as a Christian is, am I doing everything that I could do to be strengthened in the Lord and in the might of His power? Am I doing everything I could do to take the provision of God in His armor? And here's why this is a key phrase in this whole passage. Because even though here in a minute, Paul's going to begin to sort of uh, give us specific pieces of the armor. Here's where you and I, it it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You and I don't have to worry about, oh, am, am I taking truth with me today? Am I taking righteousness? Am I taking peace? We don't have to worry about the specific pieces of the armor. They will automatically be appropriated to our life. When you and I work out spiritually every day and train every day, which is exactly what these three words mean, having done everything, it speaks to us about what we've been talking about for months and even years at the Oasis. And that is the absolute necessity for us as Christians to get into a regular spiritual training program to work out daily as a Christian, to get into the gym of God and render ourselves fit spiritually through disciplined training and working out. If you and I do that, then we don't have to worry, oh, do I have truth on? Do I have right to peace? No. They will automatically be there as I do every day what I know I need to do as a Christian in order to get fit spiritually and to stay fit spiritually. And if you've been even reading my blog this year. This whole thing on discipleship. You know that that is the common theme of discipleship. It's not in trying, it's in training. 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul told Timothy, train yourself for godliness. Too many Christians are out there saying, but Jeff, I'm trying real hard and I keep getting knocked down and I keep falling and I keep failing. And the Bible says it's not in trying, it's in training. We all have to adopt that mindset of an athlete. And just like physically, if I'm out of shape or overweight physically, there are certain things, certain disciplines, certain training that I need to be willing to do every day, not only to get into shape, but to stay there. 
And the same principles are true in the Bible. If I want to get into shape spiritually and be fit enough to face my formidable angel, a fallen angels, this formidable enemy that I'm going to face, and if I'm going to stay in shape spiritually, then there's certain things I got to do on a regular basis. Having done everything. And that's, let's just face it. That's where most of it lies. It lies with us. We're not taking the threat seriously. And therefore, we're really not most of the time doing everything we should be doing as followers of Jesus Christ to put ourselves in a place where we are being strengthened in the Lord and in the might of His power and being in a place where we are growing fit and training and working out on a consistent basis. Somehow we have gotten duped into the way of the world that I can just, when I need to, I can just flip that spiritual switch on and I can be on when I need to be. No, we can't. That doesn't work in the world and that certainly doesn't work in the spiritual world either. You and I can't just glide along as Christians and then all of a sudden when some big crisis comes into our life or, uh, or we're under heavy attack by the enemy that we can just sort of switch, uh, the, the, flip the switch of our life on and all of a sudden you know, put the cape of the super Christian on and become super Christian. No. It doesn't work that way. That's why obviously growing up in athletics and playing in athletics all my life and in following sports all my life, you see it. You see teams and athletes out there that they just sort of glide along, thinking somewhere in that game they're going to just be able to sort of turn it on and take it up to a higher level when they need to. And I've watched so many sporting events over the years where that doesn't work. By then it's too late. By then the team or the athlete has already given up so much ground they can't recover. And that's what God's trying to get us to see here through the Apostle Paul. Having done everything. I want those three words to just stick with us. Because if I could share one message, (laughs) seriously, if I as a human being, a pastor, a fellow Christian, a fellow believer... If I was able by God in some supernatural way to get on some giant microphone and be able to talk to every Christian in the whole world at one time, and I had one opportunity to share one thing with every Christian in the world, this is what I would share. Because to me, this takes care of everything else. If we can get Christians to start working out every day, and staying fit through disciplined spiritual training, then all the other stuff that they're dealing with and, and, and having trouble with and struggling with and, and, and being knocked down and all of that, that would all take care of itself if we could just get every Christian to buy in to the reality of I've got to work out and stay fit through strict disciplined training as a follower of Jesus Christ every day. And if I commit myself to that, all this other stuff 
Because the strength that you and I will begin to possess through that strict discipline training, oh my goodness. We, we will be, God will begin to transform. So the strength that we will live by and that we will possess and, and the armor and stuff, man, we're going to start, our life is going to look different. But we don't live in a world where that's popular, even in Christian circles. Even amongst church-going people and people who confess Christ. Jeff, I want an easy button. Just give me something to where I can just press it once in a while, maybe once every three or four months. And, you know, it'll take me from here to, it'll give me everything I need. No. As I've been sharing with people, there are no shortcuts to spiritual growth and maturity. There are no shortcuts. Any more than there are shortcuts in the physical world where I want to get from point A to to this point in my life, I just got to be willing to work and put forth the effort every day. And if I do that, if I'm willing to work towards something, oh my goodness, the results are amazing. But so many Christians today, they want to somehow, you know, grow and experience God's blessing and live the abundant life, but we don't want to put forth any effort. We want God basically to do it all for us and just pick us up and carry us. And Paul says, no, no, no. God gives us his power. He gives us the provision of his armor, but he won't force it on us. We've got to have some kind of skin in the game. And the skin has to be where we wake up every day, acknowledging what we're involved with, acknowledging what what is at stake and saying, I'm willing to pay whatever price I need to pay. Because it's not just about me. It's about everyone around me. And if I don't stay strong, if I don't hold my ground, if I'm not at my post, then it's not just me that's negatively affected. All my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and my family and my friends are negatively affected too. So Paul says in verse 14, Stand therefore by fastening the belt of truth around your way putting on the breastplate of righteousness, fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. And to all this, he says, taking up, again, that word means carrying with you at all times, the shield of faith, which is able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And here he's giving us a little bit of hint of how nasty the devil and his demonic spirits are. When he describes their attack as, as an attack of these fire-tipped arrows. It's not enough that the, the devil or his demons are going to attack us and shoot arrows at us. Oh no, they're going to put some tar or pitch on the end of those and they're going to light them off. Because they not only fight fair, they fight nasty. Their only goal, because they can't have our soul, that's already been taken care of. They know we're a child of God, but here's what they know they can do. That even though that they know they don't have our eternal soul, they know that they can, they can create in us to where we're not going to experience the abundant life that we could in Christ and that, that they will so diminish our influence, uh, in, in, for other people that God can't use us to positively affect others and, and, and he's, They're going to diminish even our own service and ministry to where the body of Christ is not going to be enhanced because we're a part of it. No, they can't have our soul. And they can't have our eternity. 
But they can so negatively affect our earthly life that they basically render us spiritually useless. And where we can live our entire life on this earth, even as a Christian, lacking fulfillment and satisfaction. And never experiencing the abundant life of Jesus Christ. So he says, Take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. By the way, I do want to point this out. One specific. Did you notice that all the pieces of the armor are defensive except for one? The only offensive weapon God gives his children because it's enough, it's sufficient, is the word of God. The only offensive weapon is the word of God. And Jesus even modeled this for us and gave us an example of this. Remember the story in all gospels when Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? What did Jesus use when the devil attacked him? Attacked him. He used scripture. He quoted scripture. He used the word of God. He was showing us, this is all you need. You fill your mind with this. You saturate your mind with this. You focus, you meditate, you memorize it. You use this. You apply it to your life. That's only the offensive weapon you'll ever need. Everything else is for the defense. To ward off the attack of the enemy, this is the only offensive weapon we need. And then he says... With every prayer. I personally believe that prayer is part of the armor. In fact, a big part of the armor. Because in this context, here's what he's saying in verse 15. Or excuse me, uh, verse 18. He's saying the only way that we will be able to stand ready for combat each day is through prayer. That's why he says, with every prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit. Stay connected to God in prayer. And notice here, this could be a whole series of messages, or this could have been a whole message itself. And we're going to be talking, I don't know whether I've shared this with the entire church or not, but beginning the Sunday after Easter, on April the 12th, we're going to start a 16-week Study on prayer on Sunday mornings at this church. Prayer is going to be highly emphasized this coming year in 2015 at the Oasis. Notice three things that prayer does here. When I stay connected to God at all times through prayer, first of all, it helps me to stay alert. It helps me to stay awake, to stay vigilant, to stay watchful. So when I pray in the Spirit, to this end, be alert. Then notice the second thing prayer does. With all perseverance, prayer also helps me to prevail, to persevere, to endure. And Jesus teaches this. In fact, that's the very first passage we're going to look at in this series on prayer. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to give up. You feel like throwing in the towel? You feel like quitting and giving up prayer from Jesus himself. That's the answer. And then finally, you know what else prayer does? It helps us to stay sensitive to our brothers and sisters in Christ. When he also says in verse 18, 
and requests for all the saints. In this context, what he's saying is, do you realize that when you and I pray and stay connected to God, we not only become much more aware of our own spiritual warfare and our own being attacked by the enemy, but all of a sudden God starts to open up our eyes that so many, in fact, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, guess what? If I'm under attack at times, they are too. And therefore, I need to be willing to pray for them and encourage them and uphold. Because if I get down and I get discouraged and, and I get, you know, rattled by the battle every once in a while and I need refreshment and encouragement, how much more do my brothers and sisters in Christ? And that's what God will do through our prayer life. He will not only draw us closer to Him, but He will also make us aware that and you realize, and that's why praying in the Spirit is so cool. Because simply what that means is under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's like you and I know as Christians every once in a while, God's Spirit will lay some other Christian even on our heart. And, and maybe even like impress upon us, you need to pray for them. And if you're like me, sometimes it's like because I don't know exactly why. I'm like, God, you know, why, why do you want me to pray for them? It doesn't matter, Jeff. I know what's going on. Just pray. Okay, God, I'll pray. And then later on, a day, a week, a month, maybe even a year later, I'm ending up in contact with them or communication with them. And, and I don't even ask. They just say, hey, I, I just want you to know that, you know, a while ago, man, I was really going through something. Oh, really? And then I start calculating. Oh, that was about the time God laid it upon my heart to be praying for them. That's what it means to be praying in the Spirit. God's Spirit will not only make us more sensitive to what's going on in our lives and what we're facing, He will make us more sensitive and appreciate what's going on in other Christians' lives as well. And then Paul ends what we're going to look at today in this way. Notice what he says at the beginning of verse 19. Pray for me also. Paul did not think it weak to ask other believers to pray for him. The greatest Christian who maybe ever lived was always asking other believers, would you pray for me? Asking other Christians to pray for us isn't a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And it's actually a sign of great wisdom. Because when you and I ask other Christians to pray for us about things, then we're becoming more aware about the battle and the fight that we're engaged in. And we're becoming more aware of the fact that we can't face these battles and face these enemies and these adversaries and these opponents on our own. That we need the Lord and His strength and, and we need, you know, prayer and all of these things in order to be able to stand and hold our ground. Too often, the enemy has influenced us because we don't ask other Christians to pray. Because, oh, I, I, I don't want to bother him, and I don't want him to think, like, you know, maybe there's something, you know, wrong or something, so I'm just not going to go there. Can I tell you, that's the enemy whispering in your That's not God. Throughout history, Human beings have failed to take certain threats seriously and suffered greatly because of it. God does not want His children 
to be unaware about the reality of spiritual warfare and being attacked by our enemy. It's one of the essentials of our faith. Because if we're not prepared and we're not walking in his power or his provision every day, we won't be able to hold our ground on our own. We won't be able to stand. We won't be able to make a stand or take a stand. We'll get knocked down every time. The only way we can hold our ground is when we're willing to do everything that we should be doing through disciplined training, we render ourselves fit. We get ourselves in spiritual shape so that we can face what we need to face. Are we willing, having done everything? I leave you again with this verse. God doesn't want us to focus on the devil and the demonic spirits. He wants us to be aware of it. But he wants us to be in all of him and to focus on him. Because if we stand in the power of the Lord, then the devil or any demonic spirit is no match for the power of God. We have a great God on our side. We have the almighty God's power and provision available to us. Let's begin to live and walk in it every day. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you. for reminding us about the reality of spiritual warfare today. And reminding us, God, that you have provided for us everything we need in order to stand and hold our ground. And to realize, God, that if we would just acknowledge it, we don't fight just for ourselves. We fight for others as well. Because if we go down, if somehow the enemy gets a foothold or a, an inroad into our life, we're not the only ones affected. Everyone around us is affected as well. God, may we be committed here at the Oasis to stand our ground. And to stand in the almighty great power and provision of you, God. The only true God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.